audience's heads. The stagehands working the production were run off their feet and were required to be vigilant at all times. The same was true of the projectionists who followed in their wake. They had umpteen tasks to perform and would never dream of leaving their posts. In its early incarnation, cinema, like theatre, was very much a live production. Owing to the volatile nature of plasticised nitrocellulose, or nitrate stock as it was commonly known, early projection rooms had to be sealed and their walls lined with thick asbestos. If a fire broke out in such a room, containment was the only option. An early instruction film made by the Admiralty for budding projectionists entitled This Film is Dangerous showed reels of nitrate film continuing to burn even when fully immersed in water with no need of air to continue their spectacular conflagration. In 1926, a converted barn in Drumcolia went up in flames after a reel of nitrate film somehow came into contact with the unguarded flame of a candle, killing 48 people, for decades the worst fire disaster in Irish history. On the 31st of December 1929, at the Glen Cinema in Paisley, Scotland, a can of nitrate film that had just been projected as part of a children's matinee was placed into a metal box, which began to issue bilious clouds of black smoke. As the smoke seeped into the auditorium, the young audience panicked and ran to an escape door, which was padlocked and opened inwards, and in the ensuing crush, 69 children were killed. An inquiry later concluded that the fire had been started when the metal box was accidentally placed on the unguarded terminals of a battery in the projection booth, which then short-circuited, causing the nitrate film inside to burst into flames. The Cinematograph Act was subsequently amended to beef up fire prevention measures and to ensure that cinema doors were fitted with push bars and opened outwards. As for projectionists, the sense that their trade was potentially lethal and needed to be carried out by highly skilled operatives was heightened as never before. Indeed, nitrate film was generally regarded with such alarm that it was not allowed to be transported on the London Underground, although smoking cigarettes on the tube was fine, or sent through Her Majesty's Post without appropriate anti-fire precautions. And, as film archivists subsequently discovered to their cost, if you leave nitrate film in an unopened canister for a period of years, it will decompose, releasing noxious gas and turning first to a honey-like goo and then to dust, which has the capacity to spontaneously combust. Eventually, nitrate gave way to safety film and triacetate, which may not have been as explosive as nitrate stock, but was still flammable. It would burn as merrily as paper under the right circumstances and, if left unattended, would produce the distinctive vinegar whiff that signalled a descent into brittle instability. Long after the age of nitrate had passed, projectionists still had to use their noses like police sniffer dogs when opening a canister of film, a precaution which ensured that the image of a highly combustible element cloaked in a sulphurous cloud remained hardwired into the popular imagination. As well as being a dangerous procedure, projecting a movie was a very physical, hands-on enterprise, thanks to the need for regular reel changes, which occurred roughly once every 20 minutes. Generally, cinema screens would have two projectors, enabling the first reel of film to be projected from one machine while the second reel was laced in readiness to take over from its partner. As the first reel was drawing to a close, a series of cue marks, usually dots or circles, would appear in the upper right corner of the picture. 
If you've been going to the pictures as long as I have, you'll probably have noticed these symbols, the first of which would appear eight seconds before the end of the reel, telling the projectionist to start the second machine rolling and wait for the changeover cue. Once this appeared, the projectionist had around one and a half feet of film, that's about one second, to make the smooth transition from one reel to the next. In older movie theatres, this may have involved sliding manually operated covers back and forth to open or close projection booth windows. More modern systems used interconnected dowsers, the metal or asbestos plates which come between the lamp and the film to stop the image from projecting or the film from burning. Either way, the projectionist needed to be on the ball or everyone would wind up watching a load of scratchy tail leader being beamed onto the screen where an exciting motion picture should be. The fact that few audiences were even aware of real changes tells you something about how dexterously this operation could be performed. And the work was not over once a reel of film had been projected.